Welcome to the Roundtable on Dog Post. Uh, Georgia and Auburn meeting up for the second time this season, the 122nd time uh, in the history of the world. Fletcher Page joins me, Dean Leggy, as always. And Fletcher, uh, Georgia, and um, I, I keep almost saying Alabama. Georgia and Auburn will meet for the SEC Championship on Saturday at 4 o'clock. Um, initial thoughts coming into the weekend. It's obviously a very pivotal, probably the biggest Auburn-Georgia game ever. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about the rematch uh, aspect of this. Two teams that played, what, just two, three weeks ago? Yep. Auburn comes in having beaten the number one team in the country twice uh, preceding this. So uh, my question, I guess, immediately is is how healthy is Auburn? Um, obviously, the tail end of their schedule was, was, was quite difficult, and they were able to win both games, but I'm sure they paid, some pro- paid a price for that. Um. They're not healthy the way that they would like to be. And, uh, and I guess they, who, who is at this time of the year, but, you know. Well, well, I, uh, Kirion Johnson is the guy that everybody's most concerned about. He's listed as day-to-day. I don't know if they list people in the SEC, but he's a, he's a day-to-day guy. And uh, a lot of people, Fletcher, thought that Auburn would be a significant favorite in this game, but they are not. This is basically a coin flip game. Georgia – uh, Auburn with about a forty, uh, excuse me, fifty-four percent chance of winning. Excuse me, am I getting that wrong? Uh, anyway, nonetheless, it's a very close game, two and a half points, um, which gives Georgia a fifty-six chance percent, fifty-six percent chance, forty-six percent chance to win. Easy enough for me to say. And Auburn about a fifty-four, so not quite a coin flip, but something like that. I, I'm with you. I, I do wonder uh, how healthy is Auburn and. Um, when your either most important or second most important player is day to day and uh, having uh, come off of leaving the field against Alabama, a very good performance. I don't think they played as well against Alabama as they did against Georgia Auburn. But when he left that game, a lot of people, I mean, my wife called me. We were riding back from Atlanta and she said, Are you watching all these Auburn kids get hurt? And I said, No, I, mean, I can't watch it. But it, it, it was a lot of the team. And uh, I think that's a concern for, for Auburn for sure because Georgia's not in that position. They are pretty much healthy. Right, yeah. I, I think that if you're Auburn, obviously early in the season, uh, you know, they had kind of a just a slugfest with Clemson. Uh, mm-hmm. and their offense was still trying to figure some things out. Um, you give teams – Everybody says that, but don't we have to give Clemson's de- – I mean, well, yeah, they, did, yeah. they did play at Clemson. I mean, that's not an easy place to play necessarily, but don't we have to give Clemson's defense some credit for holding well, Auburn to, to six points? Well, when you sack the other team's quarterback 11 times, uh, you certainly get credit, uh, and it was well-deserved. Um, but what I was going to say is I think that game was sort of – Obviously, it's a game between two top five teams at the end of the season. That was, it came very early. And then Auburn had a head-scratcher against LSU. I mean, that mm-hmm. was just a that was a bizarre loss, wouldn't you call that? Wouldn't you file that into the, uh, I don't know why this happened, but it did. Uh, you blow a 20-point uh, lead um, mm-hmm. to LSU. Strange. But you have to take advantage of whatever it may be. I think for Auburn, it is... Um, they got to play Georgia and Alabama at home. Um, both of those games. You're, you're about to say exactly what I was going to say. Right. So, again, if you play a top-five team and you lose, uh, they didn't get embarrassed at Clemson, but they had some struggles on offense, obviously. Uh, and, then, and then we also obviously build in an opportunity, whether if you're Auburn, I think it's the LSU game, was sort of their, okay, don't, this can't happen again or you're out. Uh, for Miami, that would be the pit game. For Georgia, that would have been a blowout at Auburn. Every now and then, these things happen. Uh, and like you always say, Alabama can't go undefeated every year. Why do we say that? Because they don't go undefeated every year. It's very difficult to do. So now Auburn has they, – they took advantage of what they had, which was a home field advantage. They have got themselves to this situation. And then on the other side for Georgia, they had kind of their little moment a couple weeks ago at Auburn, and then they responded to that exactly the way that you kept saying they needed to after that happened, which was – you throttle Kentucky at home, and then you go to Tech and take care of them the way you're supposed to, and just basically routining them. And mm-hmm. you're kind of building that momentum back toward a neutral site game against now Auburn. So uh, both of those teams now playing for a chance to move on to the playoff. I, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of media this week. Do you, and I, I, 
do you see any scenario where the winner of this game doesn't get in? There was some discussion of that at Kirby's press conference. No. I don't see any way. Yeah, I mean, certainly after Miami lost, I mean that kind of takes the like double. If, yeah, I mean like if Miami was undefeated going into the Clemson game and say they lost by a point to Clemson, then maybe you'd have an outside chance of two ACC teams getting in. But now with both of those ACC schools with a loss, I think that's a win and get in, and the loser's out. And then I think the same goes for Auburn and Georgia. Uh, win and get in. So, I think it's. Well, I mean, we, we've definitely we've definitely hit the point of no return. I mean, you cannot lose anymore. I mean, we are at that point. I mean, clearly Auburn cannot lose and have three losses. Georgia can't lose and have two. I don't think you can make the argument that if Wisconsin loses to Ohio State, that they still deserve to get in. I think we are amazingly. This has worked out. I mean, you know. We had the remember when we had the collision course between Clemson and Alabama. Right. Remember that that was about September, and then we had the collision course between Georgia and Alabama. I mean, obviously, both of those things could still happen, but not the not the way you would think. Do you think Alabama can get into this thing? Because I do. Well, I'm just kind of looking at it. Um, the way that this will, I'm looking at the top five or the top. The polls here. The way that this will go, Dean, is let's just say it's chalk. The chalk would be Clemson, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Auburn. So -hmm. if those teams win, they're in, and that's it. Right. Right. So I guess the scenario you're looking for um, to get Alabama in, if if Clemson loses, Miami's in, so that doesn't get Alabama in. Mm -hmm. If Ohio State beats Wisconsin. So that's, there's two scenarios that get you in if you're Alabama. The ACC champion, the SEC champion, they go. Right. So there's just, there's just no confusion there. And then, you know, the first time, I think maybe ever, the ACC champion, well, certainly in the, in the, in the playoff era, the ACC championship game will have a lot on the line for both teams. I mean, the last two times, um, and in 14, 15, and 16, Florida State, Clemson, Clemson. They didn't. The other team wasn't going to get in. So right. now you've got pressure on both sides. For the SEC championship, this is the first time in a few years there as well. I mean, in 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 uh, in fourteen, I think you could have made the argument that Missouri could have gotten in. Uh, wait, now I'm trying to get. I'm not trying to get too confused here. Uh, not 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 fourteen, thirteen. Um, I think you could have made the argument one of those years that uh, one of the not-so-great teams could have gotten in. But generally speaking, as I ramble on, uh, this is a do-or-die in the first for the first time since 2012, if I'm not mistaken, in the SEC. I mean, I think Mizzou, Auburn, and 13 was, was sort of that way. But um, I think Missouri might have had, uh, coming into that game, two losses, whereas Auburn only had one. And I can't remember when Missouri lost that game. But anyway, uh, the oh. the point is, the point is that um, you've got certainly two clash, you know, two zero sum games in the SEC and the ACC. In the Big Ten, and to some degree in the Big Twelve, you don't really have that. I mean, you've got these situations where, um, you know. The, the number two team, TCU, they need a lot of help to get in. I mean, They're I don't think – yeah, I don't think a two-loss TCU gets in. I mean, they may prevent Oklahoma from going, but that just to me opens up the door for either Ohio State or um, Alabama. To me, for Alabama, step one is Wisconsin has to lose, I, I think, because then, you know, if Wisconsin loses – You've got your you've got your easiest pathway. They are almost a, a touchdown well, favorite, which is a relatively significant number. That would be the way that Alabama will get. The only it. way that, but the only thing that would convolute that is that if Wisconsin loses, it means Ohio State won its conference. Well, that's correct. Although that didn't seem to matter last year. I mean, I think I think you and I both know that Alabama can't. You know. I'm not sure if they're still the best team in the country. It seems like Auburn is the best team in the country as of this, as of Saturday. Um, but um, 
I, I think Nick Saban might be right. I think that they deserve a chance to get in. Just because they lost a game on the road um, to a top 10 team doesn't mean that they should be precluded from getting in. Well, but they need, true. They, they, need, they need some help along the way. Well, I would say you've probably got about 10 teams that you could say deserve to be in, but life ain't fair. Who, who, would, the, ain't, who would the other who would I'm the just other, saying like, that you be? can make the argument that other teams deserve to be in, but that don't mean shit, okay? Life ain't fair. And they had their chance to lock themselves in. And they, they, they did. They lost the run. They, so they, I, don't, they, I just get a little bit. I don't like hearing that teams deserve to be there. Because, I mean, I deserve to have a million dollars. I don't have it, though. So but, it ain't, but they, it ain't the, always the, fair. The, the, Nick Saban now twice uh, in the last four years has lost the wrong game, which is what Mark Rick was very good at. And Right. <laughs> well, I say twice, and he lost the Clemson game, too. So that would be three times. And that happens in coaching. But – preventing you from going and winning uh, the way that you would like to win. I mean, they've lost the wrong game twice, both at Auburn. You know, Georgia, they lost the right games. Auburn, so far, has lost the right games. And apparently in the ACC, you can just – they don't just shit the bed in the ACC. They take their diaper off, and they just – they have diarrhea, and they wipe well, it all over the world. Because man. both of those losses – those two teams are the best team in that league. But both of those losses are embarrassing. Well, you and just we're looking at it. This game, of course, it's very simple. You go undefeated, and you're going to be there. Obviously, that's very difficult to do. Well, the problem I have, though, is it's like Miami. They they could have they could have going into last weekend. They had a, a a couple different ways that they could have gotten themselves in. It's beat Clemson. You're in. Okay. Well, if you were undefeated coming into that Clemson game, and maybe you lose by a field goal late. And depending on what what else happens around the country, you still have a little bit of control of that. But losing to Pitt, you blow that opportunity. So the the, the system kind of builds in. You kind of create your own reasons for why you don't end up in the Final Four at the end of the day. Yeah, the other thing too is, I mean, the the the, the this this is a podcast about Georgia and obviously the SEC. But you know, I'm just looking at. I didn't realize that Pitt had eight wins. So there, the Miami loss is not nearly as ridiculous as the um, as the Clemson loss. I mean, Clemson has the worst loss and the problem. And I would you'd have to say the best win in college football right now. Uh, well, maybe Auburn has the best win, but it's just in that league. And people were saying, you know, this, that, and the other. The the problem with that league is there's a lot of bad teams in that league. And uh, that's just all there is to it. And so, inevitably, if you lose in the ACC, you're going to lose some bad games. It happens. I think I'm looking at the wrong season. <laughs> I was going to say, it's very hard for, for me to talk smack about any conference. Um, I, just, I try not to get into that, to get too far down into that path. Um, yeah, I mean, Syracuse, I, I misspoke. Pittsburgh is 5-7. and seven. That's a losing season, a obviously. But Syracuse is just, yeah. That's but they're both inexplicable losses that should not occur. And, and we said, uh, I've said, I'll give you one. Like I said, Auburn collapsing at LSU, inexplicable. Uh, Georgia not showing up at Auburn, getting beat by Auburn was one thing. Getting blown out by Auburn was was it was strange. See, things happen. These things happen, you know. Yeah. And again. What happened? What comes out of that is, like I said, now Miami only has one way in, whereas maybe they well, had don't two. you think? Don't I don't know though, man. Don't well, maybe, you? Man, this but is now it, you it's absolute, kind of irrelevant. But it's about yeah. absolutes. May once you it, once you lose that game, you, there's only one way. And I understand that that's uh, that's all you can ask for as a football program is say, hey, yeah. what do I got to do to get into this thing? Okay, I got to beat Clemson. Okay, we'll go beat Clemson, but. It doesn't hurt. Like if you're Georgia and you were undefeated right now and you got beat by Auburn, you could say, hey, we deserve because of this. Well, now you don't because you got blown out at Auburn. So it's just all about just creating a little bit, like we always use the term, a little margin for error. And I understand at this time of year it's slim, slim, slim. Uh, but now uh, there's it, it'd be really tough for Miami to get in after a loss. Actually, they, they absolutely can't get in after a loss. And the same for Auburn and Georgia. Um, mm -hmm. So... I think you're right. Anyway, back to the original point. Wisconsin's got to lose. Yes. And it still would be murky because it would come down to Ohio State, Alabama, and that conversation about winning your own conference as, well, as I, sort of a quasi-quarterfinal. I, I have to say that 
talking about inexplicable losses. I mean, Alabama's better than Ohio State. They just are. I think they get in, but if you I could get, get if you could get Oklahoma to lose with Wisconsin, I think there's no question <laughs> that Alabama would get in. Well, then there's then there's no question, and the question becomes who's the number four. I mean, you got ACC, SEC at one and two at that stage. At that stage, and by the way, I don't think Georgia can become the one, but there is a path, believe it or not, and uh, the path involves, you know, Clemson losing, yeah, Wisconsin losing, and, and Oklahoma losing. losing. Right, which I think but, Miami Miami would become the one. They have the toughest strength of schedule. Well, hear hear me out on this. And for the record, I don't know that it matters. We're I mean, spending a lot of time in the hypothetical realm. Well, but that, I guess that's what well, we do. We're, we're we're not Kirby. We like we don't we don't have to live in black and white. So I'm we can do real. hypothetical. The only thing I would say is that if you're Georgia, uh, there's only two teams uh, that are still out there that can defeat every team that they've played. And those are Wisconsin and Georgia. That's it. Right. So I think that would give them some excuse to be the one, but I don't. I just I have my doubts that that will happen. They need a lot of stuff to happen. But I guess it doesn't matter, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the one or the four, or the two or the three. I, I think is there is there an advantage to being the one necessarily? Well, you get to play in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, that's the biggest advantage. Is that what's the other game? You'd have to travel all the way to Los Angeles, man. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I, I think Georgia will take it no matter what. But that's well, I mean, a long if, they, way. if they were playing Clemson in, in the in Los Angeles, I guess they'd both be on equal footing. But I, I guess, I guess there's an advantage to being the one. If you, if you, for the fans, I guess would prefer to be in New Orleans. I guess. Well, there was, there's, there's not. I'm not aware that there's a scenario where Georgia and Clemson could play each other. Well, there is. But they would have to play one another. I mean, if Clemson wins, my guess is be that they would be the one. Would be my guess. They, yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, is Auburn healthy? <laughs> yeah, but do you think? I mean, what what is the lot? I mean, I, if if I were ranking these teams right now, I would put Oklahoma at number one, right this second. Why? And then I would. And why? Are you asking why? Yeah. Well, I think they, uh, I think they have the most impressive uh, way of beating people. They're not sort of slopping around. So you're um, big on the eye test. Well, yeah. I mean, their loss to Iowa State is not a good loss, but Iowa State has gotten some, you know, some some good wins. Uh, Oklahoma and Clemson both have beaten two very good two-loss teams, one in Auburn and the other one in Ohio State. So, I mean, Oklahoma, um, they're, if I'm picking defenses, I know which one I'm picking, but if I'm picking offenses, uh, you know, Oklahoma is tough to deal with. They have really scored a bunch of points. They look hot. Now, the last time that these – those, I mean, I was at the Orange Bowl when OU and Clemson played one another, and Clemson was just a better team, and it just took a little bit of time. But Oklahoma, I think, is um, – uh, never had, the the problem with that game, and I think the problem for Oklahoma, generally speaking, will be: Are they going to score forty and fifty points against the likes of Clemson, Auburn, Georgia, whoever? Um, that would be the concern there. And then um, you know, but I, I I would probably go Oklahoma one. But um, and if I if I were Clemson and Oklahoma, I would be desperate to play in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I would want. Whoever, whoever, Oklahoma, Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, and probably Miami, they all would want to play in the Orange Bowl. I mean, excuse me, in the um, Sugar Bowl. I wonder what Wisconsin and, and if they were the one. I wonder would they ask to play in the in the Sugar Bowl, or would they rather go to Los Angeles, their traditional home? That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Because, I mean, I think one is a lot easier to get to from Wisconsin than another. Um, but that's neither here nor there. In order for all these things to happen, all these teams have to win. Uh, for Georgia, a few things have changed. Fletcher, not a lot. Um, you know, the Monday after they lost to um, Auburn, they got blown out. The mon- that Monday night, uh, there was a wrestling match between Richard LeCount and... Uh, 
Roquan Smith. I will. I don't know who won that I, one. I got a good have, feeling who won. I have a pretty good suspicion who won that match. But uh, was that a, wait, was that like a real or? I don't know, man. But that, it does. I mean, either way, that shows just where this the group was. It just didn't seem to bother them, and they've used back to back weeks around. Well, they've used back-to-back weeks now, back-to-back second halves in these games to just floor their opponents. Um, I'm not sure that they'll have – and that's what Auburn did to Georgia down there. I'm not sure Georgia will have the opportunity to do that this week. I mean, Auburn's defense is one of the best in the country. Um, so um, which would you rather be coming into this game right now? Would you rather be the team who's already won and that you have played an extremely physical game against your arch rival – or your fans rush the field, or would you rather be the team that dealt with a slightly less physical um, game where it the your, it was you're making this a, I, I don't really not, have a choice ho, now. Ho hum. I mean, I'm, I would I'm rather be Auburn because you, would you rather be the team that won or the team that didn't win? Well, that's not what you said. You asked. I would rather be the team that won, of course, but mm-hmm. there is a real thing to the week after Alabama, or as Kentucky found out against Louisville, I think there was some carryover the week after Georgia. I mean, Georgia physically punished Kentucky. They really did. You know, they Kentucky's best tight end is out for the season after that game. Some of their defensive players were just worn down from the run game, and they got blown out by Louisville. I think they probably would have gotten beat anyway, but they looked really bad after playing Georgia, and I think that there's a lot of carryover from playing physical teams like that, and Auburn's been doing it now for a couple weeks. But I think you'd much rather be going in as the as the favorite, uh, just because I think football is kind of predicated. It's a sport where I think I think a lot of this, is, a lot of it is. Uh, you mentioned earlier that that Auburn is the best team right now, and I, I think they're the hottest, I think hottest, the hottest, best, team. whatever it is, hottest, best. That takes kind of, th- th- that means that there might be something more to it than just talent. Now, obviously, talent, strength, and conditioning are the two greatest parts of your program, but it's got to feel pretty good to know that you knocked off two number one teams coming into this thing and obviously if, if they if the running back's healthy they got some swagger to them now if you're asking me that's about just that winning i think having to go against georgia tech probably isn't much fun either getting cut blocked or whatever <laughs> um and i did hear trenton thompson was i didn't know he, the, I, I don't know what his status is but he's fine he okay. came back into the game but it didn't look good for because if you'll bit. remember i think that before that 2012 game i believe it was d'angelo tyson that had gotten hurt against georgia tech Yes, and I believe Georgia had to play the same three down defensive lineman, uh, basically the whole game, and it just wore them out. So I mean, there, there's obviously some disadvantages to playing Paul Johnson's team too. So I would rather be Auburn, of course. Uh, but uh, the questions for Georgia remain: is if they can't run the ball, then they've got, or if they have, you know, down and distance on second and third down are tougher than what they faced against Kentucky and Tech. Uh, then it becomes about. Uh, about your passing game and Jake Fromm and uh, what they're able to do uh, on third and medium, third to long. Uh, so that's basically the question we had that Monday after the Auburn game, and now they've gotten themselves back to where they have a chance to answer for it. Well, they're going to have – I mean, yeah, I wrote on Mon- Sunday. I'm getting the days confused. I mean, he doesn't – Jake doesn't have to do – he does not have to be special in this game. Um he just needs to be able to convert enough third and fours or third and sevens. And Georgia's 50% on the year uh, on third down conversions. They just need to convert enough of those to where they are um, functional. Um, I think they didn't play as poorly as people think you know, at Auburn. I think if you go back and watch the film, uh, you'll see that there was plenty there. Them, them quote-unquote, getting dominated on the line – that didn't really start happening until after the big drop by Miko um, Hardman in the third quarter. Uh, so, so you're suggesting that that it got away from them from a, a, a muff punt, a missed totally. touchdown, and then a and then a great play for a touchdown by Auburn Slayton, and that it once it started going, it just went. Well, it was hard for them to get back. Uh, once they got down 10, I think it was, then it became kind of complicated or, or whatever, two scores, whatever it was. Uh, then it became complicated because you kind of look around and go, you know, uh, we've slowed them down. We've not stopped them, but we've slowed them down, but we can't get going, you know. 
And uh, that was the issue. And I think the, I think the difference – well, all I'm saying is in the first half, definitely the Georgia got their ass whipped is, is exaggerated. In the second half, that definitely happened, no question. Um, but I think if you want to believe that Georgia is going to win this game or that Georgia should win this game, I think you have plenty of reasons to point to. I think if you think that Auburn should win this game, you've got plenty of things to point to as well. A lot of yeah, the guys, but you're talking about two teams that won their divisions in the SEC, so that's kind of a given. Right. Sure, comma. A lot of the people that I spoke to at the <clears throat> the day of and the week after the game, <coughs> excuse me, uh, basically said uh, these are former Georgia players and coaches uh, in college football. They basically said, "Hey, you just can't take it too seriously." Sometimes you you lose games and you get your ass whipped in the process. And the next time that they play, not thinking it would be this year, it will be a very different circumstance. I'm not sure it's very different. Most of the people I talked to did not think Auburn would wind up in the conference championship game. They thought that it was a special night at Auburn, which it was, and so was this past Saturday night. And they thought that, hey, you know, you got to take advantage of – your opportunities and basically not have a bunch of penalties. Uh, that was what their thinking was. But to me, Flusher, the, the main, the, what would concern me if I like georgia has got nothing to lose here. I, I think they got a chance. They have, the, they have a national championship and a conference championship everything to, lose. to lose, but right. yeah, I kind of understand but, what you're saying. But what I would say is the circumstances coming into this game, are very different than they were coming into Jordan-Hare. Um, the number one thing is it's not at Jordan-Hare. Right. That's, that's the biggest thing. Secondly is the health of the team. And third, can you play that emotional a game uh, three times in four weeks? That doesn't mean they won't win. It's just really hard to do. And I think you saw that with Georgia – when they went Gators, Carolina, Auburn. Those were all three physical games. We all, all right. we talked about it. That's why we thought this would be a problem for them. And it's not like Georgia hasn't played physical games since. They have, I guess you could say. But they just whipped those two teams' asses, and they got done what they needed to get done. If I were Auburn, I would be nervous about this game. I, I, think, I think Georgia will win this game. Well, what I, what I like about Georgia is, is Nick, Nick, Nick Chubb, not just his production – but what has been asked to him this season, you know, he's only carried the ball more than 16 times once all season. Right. And obviously having Sony and Swift um, and on down the line has helped there. But if you look at this, I mean, his his average per carry is just, it's, it's special. And then obviously each game he's had a long, um, there's only been two games where he didn't have a 20-yard rush all season. One was Auburn. And one was against Georgia Tech, which just didn't look like he got much work last week. It looks like he only got 12 carries. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. But his long was six against Auburn, and his average was 2.5. So, again, uh, I, I'm, I come back to that. And if, if Auburn can replicate or get close to that, you hold Nick Chubb to, to 2.5 per carry, and then that's how you start to build the case against the be- defeating Georgia. Um, but I really like where Nick's legs should be at. You know, he – he only carried 11 times in that Auburn game because it was over by halftime. Uh, he had 15 carries against Kentucky. It didn't look like he got touched much because he averaged 10.1 a, a carry. And then Georgia Tech, it looked like he got light work and then got to take the rest of the day off. So I really like I really like that on paper where I think Nick Chubb's legs should be and how I think they should feel. So if you're if you if you like running backs, you've got three of the top five in the league in this in this game. And no one has carried the ball more than Kerryon Johnson at Auburn. Is it really? I mean, is it really Fletcher a surprise that a guy who has a hundred more carries uh, than Nick Chubb, excuse me, ninety more carries than Nick Chubb, is hurt? Well, that's why I don't understand why people, some people, especially in the media, are dismissive of recruiting. You know, it's like <laughs> if you don't have Sony, Georgia's not. Oh, yeah. and that they might be here. But they might be limping here into here. Uh, if you don't have Swift, then you might not have that. Diver- I mean, he, what he gives them in sort of a different look as a pass catcher out of the backfield. It's just it's not just about 
being healthy and uh, being uh, having the depth of having another guy to go in there. It's being diverse, and it's making defensive coordinators have to account for another player. So I think that for Georgia to to have this stable of running backs to be where they are healthy and like you said, you're that's you're you're saying that he has a hundred more carries than Nick Chubb. Is that what? Well, he has 212 attempts. Nick has 122, so he right. has 90 more. Right. Uh, we're at. Let me just complete the sentence, which is that um, Nick has 122. Sony has 82. So, Carryon Johnson, Carryon Johnson has more carries than Nick and Sony combined. Right. And you don't see any drop off. It might be a different look, but you're not having a drop off in terms of. Uh, ability to gain yards and ability to make plays, ability to score touchdowns all the way down to your third guy. I don't know what else Auburn has. I just, uh, to be honest with you, they didn't play Kentucky this year, so I had no reason to know much about them. And I just don't, I didn't get to see them play. The only time I saw them play was the first half of the Georgia game. So I know that kid is very good. I know their quarterback is from the state of Kentucky. And uh, he has gotten better as the season's gone on, which you'd expect from a guy who's playing in his first season at, at a school after transferring. Uh, and I know that they do have some playmakers at wide receivers, uh, just because uh-huh. I knew Darius Slayton in the past. Uh, so that offense, I think it was, I think it was obviously advantageous for them to go on the road and play Clemson. Uh, it wasn't because they got beat, but I think it was where that where if you're looking at that game to where they are now, that offense is in a totally different headspace. Yeah, it is. Uh, one last thing about um, you know Auburn. Uh, Alabama had 211 yards rushing the other night. 80 of them were from Jalen Hurts. So even even without Jalen Hurts, they still ran the ball relatively effectively. Uh, Alabama um, for uh, Auburn. I mean, and I think I think for Auburn, the I mean, it's really is it would be very concerning if you did not have Kerryon Johnson in this game. I mean, you're talking about the leader in the conference in yardage and attempts. He's he's averaging. Um, and I think he's he's got the most touchdowns as well. He's averaging four point seven yards a game, which is hardly bad, um, and one hundred twenty five yards a game. And he's he's beat, he he was higher than that against Georgia, but below that for against Bama. If he's if he's playing in the game, you know that gives Auburn its best chance to win. One thing though, in talking to some folks um, in the in the industry, is that. Uh, if he's banged up in this game, it's going to be tough for him to be 100%. If he's not 100%, can he stiff arm? If he puts his arm on the ground to give himself balance, will that be enough to goof him up? I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks um, coming into this game for Auburn. But more than anything else, Fletcher, you got two kids from Georgia in the top 10 um, in rushing and one kid from Auburn. And like you've been talking about, the, the luxury Georgia has – is that Sony has 82 carries. <laughs> right. I mean, he doesn't – I mean, it's just hardly anything compared to all these other guys. Nick has 122, which is far less than Kirion Johnson, Darius Geis, Benny Snell, and a few fewer than Ish Witter at, at Mizzou. I mean, so – and then the kid at Mississippi State has 152. Georgia has – let me ask you this, man. Ask me. I don't think either of us think Kirby's a genius. Well, we all don't think I don't think either of us think he's any sort of dummy either. Though, is it possible here that they're just going to turn around and give the ball to Nick and Sony the entire game and say, you know what, y'all are fresh, you're ready to go, here's your chance? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that that's basically been the blueprint all season, right? I mean, yeah, but they haven't run him into the ground, and and now is your time. If you're going to run him into yeah. the ground, it's now. I say yeah um, because. It's all about, I think, what I just laid out is sort of a, an understanding of a long-term investment from August until now. I don't think that that's an accident that the carries have been split the way they have. I don't think it's an accident that Brian Herrian and, and Little Holyfield, um, I don't know, his, what's his first, Elijah Holyfield? They, well, they you got pop, Swift, too. And, well, I know. I mentioned Swift earlier, but they pop in there a little bit, too, and it's it's to get those guys need reps and get ready and stay fresh or stay sharp and also to get better and develop. But now you get to this point and now the investment you get to cash that investment in on Saturday. It, it it's all there's no reason to hold back. So uh, I could see that and I under I but I say that with the acknowledgement that how many passes did Jake Fromm complete against Florida? 
uh, for. Right. So it's not going to be that much of a detour from what they've already been doing. Uh, right. But uh, it'll just make the it, it might pay off in the second half after you've just pounded in the first half. Uh, still going to be though, what I used to call third and Lambert. Uh, there's going to be some opportunities for uh, Jake Fromm, I would imagine, because this is what I love about the about. I know this SEC is crazy right now, and I really want to segue to these coaching changes. Yeah, we'll get that. Go ahead. I love the SEC championship game when Missouri's not involved, especially. Because I know that there's going to be these two teams in there. Was, even with Florida last year, uh, the past two years, and Alabama, and now Georgia and, and Auburn, I know that there's going to be an offensive line, a defensive line. I love to see that, that struggle. I like to see that power struggle. And these are two premier uh, teams built on physicality and built on talent and built on, on a running game that I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I, I guess you'd call this a, a pitcher's duel of sorts, although these although both teams have proven they have some big playmakers too. I like to watch these kinds of games. I would be perfectly fine with a 13-10 game, somebody winning with a field goal at the end. I think that that might be what, what you might see. I think you might see like a 21-14 game, something like that, and I would be perfectly happy with that. I don't need that Oklahoma stuff you were talking about earlier. I don't need crazy Clemson scores. I just want to see a great running battle attack. That's what I'm looking forward to. I think you're going to get that this week. All right. Uh, All right. Let me lay this out here for you. I want you to ha- okay. uh, maybe, if you have a pencil, or I uh, do. Okay. Right. I want you to write down the coaches in the SEC East currently okay. that we know about. So Kirby, Will Muschamp, Dan Mullen at Florida, okay. uh, Barry Odom. I could have made up any name for Missouri's coach, but it really is Barry Odom. I don't know if you know if you knew that or not. I'm aware that they have a coach. Right. Yes. Mark Stoops. I don't know who that is. At Kentucky. Okay. Tennessee's yeah. blank right now, right? Right. All right. That is that it? No, you left out uh, dude Mush- at Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt. Mason. Okay. All right. I want to rank these coaches. I'm okay. Yeah, all right. So Barry Odom's last, I guess. No, no. All right, fine. You want Barry Odom last. All right, he's the number seven. Okay. Okay. Who's your six? I'm gonna put Mason at six. Okay. But I think he's. I think he could be a great. I think he could make a move and go do some other things. But Vanderbilt's such a tough job, and it's hard to follow in James Franklin's footsteps. Okay. Okay. Uh, then I. I. You know what, man? I'm putting. I am kind of going off of the right here and right now. I think Will Muschamp and Mark Stoops. I think Muschamp's a better coach, but Mark Stoops has beaten him head to head two years in a row. Okay. So they're kind of like a four and a five there, right? All right. So you're going Will at the five and Stoops at the four. I when I you, think Stoops is a better. Co- I think Muschamp. Are, okay. What do you think? I'm asking you. I think Will Muschamp's a better coach than Stoops is, but that's me. I do too, but you st- you got to win the games. You do, and and they really did not play well against Clemson. I expected that to be a halfway competitive game, and they just got drilled. And that's right. just sort of unexcusable. If Tennessee, we got to leave them blank, but we'll just put them at three, assuming. So Tennessee is the three, okay? All right. So you got yeah, I know because they're going to hire like I don't think Mike Gundy should leave. God, he would be a great hire. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Okay, so now it's Dan Mullen and Kirby. Okay. And I'm going to make you mad. You're going with Mullen at the one? I think I will. Okay. So we'll see. I think Kirby, though, we've talked about this. It's about finding the fit. Like Duke and David Cutcliffe, that was a great fit. Kirby at Georgia, wonderful fit. I do not think Mike Bobo should take a Tennessee job. That would I just don't think he should do that. No. I think he should wait for like an Auburn job. I think he would be wonderful at Auburn. Um, do I get to uh, right. list my guys? But I first. think that Dan Mullen in Florida are a great fit. I think it that's been proven down there. If you're an offensive guy, um, I, I think it's a great fit. Plus, I have to go with Mullen because he's just got a little bit more longevity. He got Mississippi State to be the number one team in the country, um, right. which is pretty crazy if you think about it. And I just think he's had a – I think he's done a stellar job in Starkville. Um, so I'm going to keep him at one just for longevity. But I certainly think that Kirby is showing through recruiting in this season that 
you know, he might be the best coach in the conference in, say, four or five years when Saban retires. Okay. I don't know what you're dealing with your zipper back there. Oh, but... sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> what year was his first year? And It was uh, 10, so he is. He's been around, man. So he's four and four against uh, Ole Miss. I lost three of the last four. I would go Mason as the worst, and then I would go blank coach, and then I would go. Um, did I say yeah, Mason? I would go Odom at the th- at the five ahead the ahead of blank, and then Mason. I would put Stoops at the four. I would put Muschamp at the three. I would I would put uh, Mullen at the two, and I'll put Kirby at the one right now. I think that uh, I think that Dan Mullen has done an exceptional job at Mississippi State. Um, I think my only but there is um, that I mean we're just going to see how he is at Florida. I mean he's he's done a very I would say he's done a very good job at Mississippi State. I think he in many ways I think he was perfect there. Um, Florida's a different beast for a couple of reasons. I think, I think we understand. I think we globally understand why. Just, just for, just for background, Mississippi State under Dan Mullen was five and seven, nine and four, winning the Gator Bowl, seven and six, winning the Music City in eleven, uh, eight and five and twelve, losing the Gator Bowl, thirteen. They were seven and six uh, in the Liberty. Their best season was the year they were ranked number one. Uh, that was a ten and three state team that lost to Tech in the Orange Bowl, nine and four in uh, nineteen ninety in two thousand fifteen. Excuse me, winning the Belk Bowl, six and seven last season, a, a losing season, uh, winning the St. Petersburg Bowl, and obviously eight and four this year. So they've only finished ranked uh, twice in that time. Once with that very good, I would say, very good ten team, and then a very good fourteen team. Other than that, they've had they've been good. I mean, they've 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 been better than what state normally is. How that transfers over, um, I don't know. I think I mean he he knows how to deal with um, you know LSU because he's he's always dealt with them. Uh, he has a history in the East already, although it was a different East at the time. I mean, Florida was clearly king of the hill. I think the difference for the people coming to the league right now. Is and and I, I don't think this is necessarily true. The East, Georgia is obviously out in front of everybody in the East, and I don't think that that is going to. I think they will be the team that people are gunning for for a few years, maybe two years, something like that. The West, though, Fletcher, I do wonder. I mean, you know, is it is it in transition? Yeah. So you think it is? I mean, it depends on what you mean by transition. If you mean everybody's well, I mean, trying to catch I, Alabama, know, well, everybody's still that's trying not to much catch of a Alabama. Transition. There's no question. But Auburn caught them and and beat them this year. That doesn't mean as a program they're better. But uh, the 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 Nick Saban from the turn of the decade, if that's a term, uh, versus Alabama right now. You know that that was a better Alabama program at the time, and that was in a better SEC too. For the record, I mean, that 2012 was the peak of this league. When you start talking about Florida, Carolina, Georgia, uh, Auburn, and LSU, and I think someone else uh, in 12, those were all very good teams, particularly in the East. I mean, those were all top 10 teams going into the bowl games. So um, I do wonder if. You know, Alabama can catch the magic that it had for that four-year period. Because the four years since the 12 championship have not quite been as kind. Uh, I think most programs would take one national championship and three conference championships. And Alabama, you know, it's been it's not been the same. They're still the best program in the country. I don't think there's any question about that. I do wonder what will happen at Arkansas. I wonder, you know, is it legitimate that Gus wants to leave Auburn? I mean, about three weeks ago, he was about to get fired, remember? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dabo Sweeney dealt with that at Clemson, too. Um, at You got Arkansas, Ole Miss, kind of a curious thing to stick with him. I think there's political reasons why. They know they're about to get popped. What happens if Jimbo comes in? You know, I mean – 
th- that would certainly make everybody's life easier in the ACC, you would think, but it would make the West just as, you know, at least more complicated, you would imagine. Yeah. Um, but Tennessee, um, that is just stunning administrative failure. The likes of which I've I've just I just have rarely seen it, and I say that having been on a board of trustees at a NCAA institution for a decade, that is an amazing lack of understanding. There's so much that went wrong with that. First of all, why did you target Greg Schiano? Yeah, let me give you a, just a little. All right, song. go ahead. I've got, I've got other stuff too here on this one. Uh, Greg Schiano was 28 and 48 in Big East games at Rutgers. Uh, he was 68 and 67 overall. Uh, and yeah, Rutgers was probably one of the worst programs in the country before he got there. So he did have two seasons of complete rebuilding where he went two and nine, one and eleven, zero oh and seven in each year that those first two seasons. So the stats may be skewed just a bit, but the year before he left Rutgers, he had a losing season and went one and six in the Big East. So it wasn't like he had I, – I give him props for that 2006 season and for making Rutgers respectable. So, yeah, he gets props for that a little bit. But if you're Tennessee and you've obviously figured out that moving on from Philip Fulmer is okay as long as you are hiring somebody like Kirby Smart or, you know, somebody I would even put maybe even Dan Mullen in that category, somebody that you – like Georgia felt absolutely sure about Kirby Smart. Yeah. You cannot tell me you felt absolutely sure about Lane Kiffin and Butch Jones and Greg Schiano. Okay? Like, you just don't. There's no way. And there's no ties. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But mm-hmm. you throw in that Penn State. Now, I understand. It's hearsay. It's from a deposition from a guy no, was, talking about a conversation with a guy that was oh, having a conversation with a guy. That's, but, that's just wrong, man. as an employer... You can make the decision to not associate yourself with somebody for any reason in, the, in this situation. If you don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. with that, then you don't move forward, all right? Tennessee, as an administration, though, if they were ready to sign the paperwork with Shiano, then they, that tells me that they had to hopefully acknowledge these things to themselves and said, hey, somebody had to say, hey, but what about... And then you had this conversation like, okay... Are we still comfortable associating ourselves with this person, hiring this person, turning the keys over to this person, making this person be the guy that doesn't make our that makes our program no longer be inferior inferior to its peers? So they had to have that conversation. So then to have the fans and a social media mob make them shake and flinch and back off their decision actually let, lets me know that they had no idea they had did not have that conversation. They had no backbone. They had no poise. They had no character because they weren't ready. And it's a complete embarrassment. Like, if you, did, if you didn't want to hire somebody because of that beforehand, I'm totally down with it. But right. you can't use that as the reason you're backing out of it after the fact because you didn't even vet it or think about it or understand how the fans might perceive it or receive it or react. I mean, come on, man. That's a joke. Number, number one. Um, there's something called due diligence. It's not hard to do. It's pretty basic. Uh, if you thought that he was your guy, that assumes that you did due diligence. If you thought that you were your, if you thought that he was your guy and you did the due diligence, then okay. If you did not do the due diligence, then what? Then you what should you make this higher. That, I don't see how this Number, athletic director I, – I don't know how he can make it through that. President, no, the president, too. Number two, you cannot let your – you cannot let social media dictate to you what you're going to do because you're going to get hired or fired either. You're gonna, either you're going to retain your job or you're going to get fired. By letting Clay Travis – and the Pitchport Mafia lead the charge against Greg Schiano for something that, I mean, you should have either known that he did or was accused of or not. And if he and if he did help cover that up, why in the hell is he in coaching with college right now, nevertheless anything else? So that was just a 
this is a false thing that seems to get out there and that this is what we do when we don't get what we want. Um, and then three, and this is really back to the fans at Tennessee. I mean, who's in charge here? Um, if you are a leader, you're going to make decisions that people don't understand. Um, the Tennessee community has not been united for some time. Uh, I think briefly during um, uh, the, the the sort of middle to early middle parts of Butch Jones, they may have been think, drinking the Kool-Aid there. Tennessee Fletcher, I, if I were a Tennessee person right now, I, I would wake up to this news. First of all, I'd say, what the hell are we trying to do hiring Greg Schiano? But this fiasco plus the um, the lawsuits from last year plus the incompetence over the last seven years. I mean, Tennessee has not won the SEC East in eleven seasons. I would be I would be I would wonder if I'm Wes Mullenberg or all these folks. I would say, when are we ever going to be able to compete with Alabama? When right. is that ever? I mean, we used to dominate them. When are we ever going to uh, compete against those guys and beat them? And if I were them, today would be a very low day. I, I, I just, I think it, I would look at it and say, these guys are so incompetent that I don't think they know what they're doing, and that's who's right. running the school. And the, and they, uh, you know, it's not an easy job. None of these jobs are easy jobs. With that said, I do think if you can get Mike Gundy, that would that would solve your problem. I think he would be the best coach for that situation. Dan Mullen was headed there, and um, I think Mullen know, would have been okay. I think I think he would have been a good hire. Or you don't you don't like Gundy? No, I like Gundy too. But let me just throw this out there. Let me. What do you? I want you to answer if you know what all these coaches have in common. Okay. Philip Fulmer, Lane Kiffin, Derek Dooley. Butch Jones and Greg Schiano. What do they all have in common? Do you know? Well, obviously the Tennessee thing. They all have the same sports agent. Uh, Jimmy so, Sexton. Yep, Jimmy Sexton. I'd like to know what's if they're. I'm sure they're using a search firm, but I just I don't understand what uh, what the athletic director's doing from a football standpoint with Schiano. It doesn't make any sense. The guy doesn't have a fingerprint in the conference or in the South, he doesn't really have the kind of track record you're well, looking for. Neither neither would, would Gundy. Yeah, but, it, I mean, right. Gundy, again, I don't want to go comparative straight up, but I'm, I'm just talking about with Shiano. It doesn't make sense from a football standpoint. So you know, I did not. Yeah, I did not think that was a smart. I mean, I don't know where that guy came from. That, that was, I mean, that would have been a hard sell. He's got a great agent. So... <laughs> The, I'm serious. This guy, I, he turned the a Rutgers rebuild job into the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks job. I mean, that's a, a franchise that's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, And he was fired in two years. So it doesn't make sense from a football standpoint. But if you throw that to your fans, obviously they're going to kill it. And then you have this, it's, very, it's actually kind of shameful to me, the stuff with Penn State, which has not been pursued by prosecution it's not been followed up upon in an investigation in any way that they were able to use that as sort of a way to start their social media mob yeah. and the whole it's thing just turned shameful. into an embarrassment well it's 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 you know you've got a carnival barker that's trying to get the pitchforks going and and what the people don't know is that you know he's just doing this for self-promotion he's the he donald trump of sports media totally it's 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 total bullshit uh congratulations hate to him. yeah hate sales but let's, it, he's smart i mean i get it i think he you know that's really very brilliant to oh, yeah. uh be angry about something that's not actually there right and so i but, i think again it's it's about the fit like, per, like let's just say that if georgia had hired dan mullen I think Georgia fans would have pitched a fit, not because Dan Mullen's a bad guy or uh, you know he's had success elsewhere, but it wouldn't have felt like a fit. Whereas well, Kirby did. Well, I, I would say, reasons. and I don't, I don't want to over celebrate Kirby. I mean, Kirby's had right now one very good season. Now, 
it's not surprising to me that he has had one very good season, but I don't think it's, he's going to just exclusively have one good season. Why he works at Georgia is, um, you know, I, my longtime colleague and, and friend, Chad Simmons, obviously we worked together forever. Now he's at Rivals. Um, you know, he knew how effectively that Kirby would recruit in Georgia and how well um, his relationship, how, how good of relationships he had with people. And he's easy to like. I mean, he understands how to talk to people. Uh, no matter if you're black or white or rural or, or urban, whatever. I mean, Kirby can get into a room, and he that is the number one thing he's got. He, he's really a very special, got a very special personality. It would have been a lot tougher. Why people liked Mark Richt was because they felt he was very genuine. When he said something to you, you could completely believe it. Yeah. Uh, he was a man of faith. He was a winner. There were a lot of things about Mark that people like and still like stable might be the best way to put it um with mullen and you know gundy etc you you sort of have an understanding that ben head coaches same thing with with shiano shiano has no history down here none uh dan mullen will have to uh infiltrate waters uh in florida that could be very that will be very different next year than they are right now because we don't know who the head coach of Florida State will be. Florida has had a is going is a real it is a real rebuild Florida job. Is, a, is more of a challenging job than I think people. I I agree. Say. At Tennessee, you need a total salesman. You need someone who is authentic but is a total salesman. I do think that Mike Gundy could do that. Um, I think that. Kirby would have been excellent at Tennessee, but he would have always had his eye at Georgia. But there, but there's very few places where you hit it, and and the nail and the screw goes into the bolt right away. And and at Georgia, Kirby has become that. It took Dabo about seven years for that to happen in Clemson. That was not an easy transition there. It never fit with. Um, you know, Clemson's previous coaches, they've been searching for Danny Ford since Danny Ford left. And, and even Ken Hatfield didn't make it work. At South Carolina, you know, now they're trying to figure out after Spurrier what fits and what works. And the truth is, until you get the right guy, it's hard to make it work. Is is Dan Mullen, Steve Spurrier, can he have success at two very different places? I mean, did he do at Mississippi State what Spurrier did at Carolina? It's not sort so far. Of. It's not so far different, yeah. Yeah, see, I so think that, I think that the Tennessee same sort of success at Florida. Well, obviously Kirby works because Georgia has such a there's just such a resource of recruiting right there, and totally. obviously that fits. But Tennessee, you can't just hire an old ball coach. That's why I don't think David Cutcliffe would have worked. That's kind of no. a, an evasive measure, or they were, they were hitting the panic button at that point. Cutcliffe's obviously older. A guy that's good at scheming and a guy that knows his football. I respect those guys. That's like a that's kind of what Kentucky needed, uh, and that's what they have with Mark Stoops right now. Obviously, Butch Jones was a flop from the jump. I just that guy's not a fit, and he, he and I don't think he'll ever be able to coach in the SEC. He's too thin skinned and, and paranoid. He's a freak show. Yeah. You can't have a guy running your program like that. What they need to do is take a big swing. I think Lane Kiffin was the right guy. It's just Lane Kiffin wasn't. Uh, well, you would you would say he wasn't faithful to that marriage. He was he was eyeing USC the whole way. I think a Mike right. Leach type even, uh, but you got to be. Let able me ask to you. Trust. Let me ask you this though: how how many, you know, in, in basketball in the league, I think you you have your right guy at Florida at Kentucky. Um, hey, can we talk about we talk about basketball for we get three minutes during each podcast to talk about basketball? <laughs> in one second, my, my general question though is: can you have the right fit at multiple schools at the same time. See, that's that's the hard part. I, I don't know. Uh, Auburn fans have been very hot and cold with U.S. Malzahn. Well, it's just you based know, on, and, on winning. It's sure. Teams. So, therefore, does that, does that mean – They were hot and that, real cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they were they were hot once and well, very I thought cold. Bruce Pearl, the, I thought Bruce Pearl was perfect at Auburn, except he got caught cheating again. So, well, excuse me, can I re- can I re- re- erase that last <laughs> comment? His 
a coach on his staff was implicated in an FBI investigation where allegedly people were bribing recruits to go to schools, one of which was Auburn. See, I think I think Will Muschamp is exactly the right fit at South Carolina, and and that and, and I might be wrong, but we will see over these next two years. I think Kirby is exactly right at Georgia. Oh, yeah, I think that's I'm, right. Dabo's right I'm, at Clemson. Cle- Dabo's right at Clemson. He better not go to Alabama. That's a very different. I, that's month. Not, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, let me we, see who we, Dabo's we agent is. We can't know. All right, uh, we get we get three minutes of basketball. All right, fine. Go go for it. I can hear I can hear people no longer listening. But go ahead. If they made it this far, they're going to stick it out because they love your personality. Look, that was the best win that Georgia has had in basketball over St. Mary's. You're that's jumping the best. That's the best one that they have had in a long, long time. That's the best that they've looked. It's the best one they've had. Well, it's, San Diego right. State was a decent loss. I mean, that's the yes, that was fine. They're that in the top fine. seventy. Whatever. Okay. You're jumping ahead of where I want to start in this. You're so selfish. The Southeastern Conference team right now has got Texas A&M, Kentucky, yep. Florida, yep. Alabama. Mm. These are really good teams. Okay, These are teams that I, I would say that A&M, Kentucky, and Florida, those teams that I know right now, I feel confident, those teams could make the Final Four. Not saying they all Who? will. Who'd you say? Who'd you, who'd you say? A&M, Kentucky. A and M definitely can. Florida, I think, definitely can. And Kentucky is actually the one that I think has a ceiling of an elite eight right now. Now they're going to get better. So okay. those are three. And then I think Alabama's got probably man, Colin Sexton. That guy, I yeah. loved him at the McDonald's game. Uh, I got to see him a couple times out there. That guy is a straight killer. He has no scruples about killing all of your dreams. I love guys like that. Uh, and then, you know, Georgia getting that win, it helps win. them. Now, they're, they got some work to do. They've got to be, they need to beat teams like Marquette coming up this weekend. Those are the kind of and, games that we're going to talk about in March. We're going to say, hey, get that game. you did great in conference. You went 12-6 and six again. But you got beat by Marquette and San Diego State. Now, beating St. Mary's helps us not say I'm not things. sure. I'm not sure. That they go twelve and six in this league. Let me take a gander real quick. I'm not so sure they go twelve and six. You're not gonna league. like this, Georgia fans. But Ken Palm, who I have come to worship, he's got Georgia going fourteen and sixteen overall and six and twelve. I think that's a pretty negative outlook. I think that they're gonna <laughs> a little bit more Jeez. than that. I know that. I think they're gonna win a little bit more than that. But he has them really struggling against SEC teams. So while, while there's a lot of talk out there, people, you always want the SEC to raise its basketball profile. I've been having to hear about that garbage forever, and it and I and it's nice, but that means that you then have to go in January and February and play that raised profile. So right now, Ken Palm is not too high on the dogs, but I think they're going to probably be right back at where they usually are: 18, 19, 20 wins heading into March. Here, we're going to here 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 here's here's the deal. All right, so, so you've got. I would say you've got well, you've got, got if I, unless I've gone crazy here, they have five games remaining until uh, conference play starts on New Year's Eve. If you're Georgia, you're playing Tech, excuse me, Marquette, UMass, Tech, and Temple. Two of those are away games at Marquette. That's the toughest game I think at UMass. You need to win three of the four of those games, and one of them obviously would have to be on the road if you're winning three. So. If you can beat Marquette, I think you have your shot to get into the tournament uh, because of the Marquette win and St. Mary's. I don't know what the Tech win will matter. You cannot lose to UMass on the road. That they shouldn't. They could. I said that was their best game that I've seen them play in a very long time. They also did not look very good the, the previous two games. That was weird, man. They just they have not looked good this season. And then they played St. Mary's. They played great. I don't know if they're inspired by what the, the football team did against the Tech, or or not, or what. But but their 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 path to the tournament probably, in terms of preseason, it really does. It just it goes through Marquette, Tech, uh, Temple, and UMass. Those are the games that they they cannot go one and three there. They they should beat Georgia Tech at home. Um, you would think. Yeah, it looks like they've got a fifty nine percent chance to beat Tech. Yeah, and I, here's my hot take, and I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna there stand by this, and I'm gonna revise it as it goes along. I hot think, take. 
I think that they start conference play with a win at Rupp Arena. I think yeah, they, you, you're beating that drum a little much. I, I, I don't, I don't see that. I would like to see a couple of more games beforehand. Right. I'm going to change my tune relevant. if they lose to UMass, but right. they right. play on December 22nd and they are off until that Kentucky game. Now maybe that's too much time. That's too much turkey. But Kentucky plays Louisville two days before they play Georgia. So they play them on the 29th or 28th. Uh, Kentucky and, and plays. Louisville on the 29th, and then they play Georgia on the 31st. Yeah, that's a very brutal turnaround. Is the game at Louisville? No, the game's at Rupp, but it's at 1 o'clock on a Friday, the same day as the Music City Bowl, which is probably where Kentucky will be playing in a bowl that no one will care about. Well, look, that's all bad I would say scheduling, is, and I blame it on CBS. Yeah, they definitely wanted Kentucky to lead into the Sun Bowl, but, but what I would say is that, uh, that Georgia, okay, that Yonte Mayton is Georgia's best player hasn't changed. That Yonte is still a big man and not a guard has not changed, um, which means when it comes down to it, you have to go from point A to point B, and that means that um, you know Yonte can't just dribble the ball up the floor, and and that that's the only I, it, it becomes more difficult for him to take games over a bit just because he's a big man. Because someone else has got to give him the ball. Most people would say, "Well, that's no big deal," and it, 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 maybe it isn't. But um, all I would say is that everything's in front of you. If you're this basketball team, they've had they've gotten one loss, um, not playing great in California until the final game. But hey, um, I give. Hey, I'm been critical of Mark Fox. I'm going to give him some positivity. He's played Rayshon okay. Hammonds, a freshman, 64% of the minutes at small forward. Props to you, Fox. I don't care if the guy doesn't know every single defensive rotation. He's a great player. He's probably – that might be – Yante's definitely their best player. Hammonds got some mad upside. And uh, Nick Claxton, he's playing 36% of the minutes at center. I think Ogbede's fine there. I might put Claxton in over Mike Edwards when Yante needs a slight breather. I think it's time well, to play these freshmen and stop Crook. worrying about stop worrying about what they don't know because I'm looking at what they do know, which is talented uh, takes to the basket, which I am always a big fan of. Crump, Crump is going to have to sort of settle down some of these shots too. I mean, Launching just them, in some of the, you know when he's open he when he crosses half court. I like he's, that guy. He's open when he has the ball. Right. He doesn't care. So that's the issue there. All right, George. Hey, we gave him some bonus basketball coverage. That was some free (laughs) coverage for you guys. Look at that. All right. uh, Who does Kentucky have this week in uh, basketball? They got Harvard on Saturday, the Fighting Tommy Amakers. They're supposed to be a lot better, but they've been pretty much garbage all season, so not much of a test, I don't believe. All right, Georgia and Auburn. I think the kickoff is at 4.08, but um, I don't see that anywhere in the – SEC literature, and I can't remember what Claude said yesterday. So, uh, Georgia and Auburn kickoff. Biggest Georgia Auburn game in uh, the history of the world, believe it or not. I'll we'll, be see y'all next, we'll see you all next week on the roundtable.